Good morning. It's good to see everyone here this morning. I hope I have something to say that might help you in your Christian walk. If you're a visitor, we are glad you're here and come back at any opportunity that you have to worship God with us. This morning, our uh, sermon is going to be kind of leading into what Mike and Jay are going to be talking about over the next month or so. He asked me to do this. and It's going to come out of Romans chapter 4. If you want to go ahead and open your Bibles to Romans chapter 4. And we're going to cover some things about King David this morning. I've titled my lesson, Things That King David Knew. And King David, we all know a lot of things about King David. He was one of the... He's, he's one of the more uh, known about Old Testament figures in the Bible. And in uh, Romans chapter 4 and verse 5 is where we're going to start reading, is where we're going to get the thought for the lesson this morning. But to him who does not work but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted on for righteousness. Just as David also describes the blessedness of the man whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. Now verses 7 and 8 right there are a direct quote from Psalms chapter 32 verses 1 and 2. This is something that David wrote that says, Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. There are some things David knew in his life. And we're going to look into those things. We're not going to use Psalms 32 though. We're going to look at Psalms 51 which is known as David's repentance psalm. The one where David repents of his sin with Bathsheba and the, involving Uriah. You know, for those that know, don't know the story of David that well, I'm going to briefly go through the David and Bathsheba and Uriah situation. It happened when David was, it was in the middle of summer, and he went out to, in the cool of the night to walk on the top of his roof, which was a custom at the time. And as he was looking out from his roof, he saw on another roof a woman taking a bath. And she was pretty and good to look upon. And he said, you know what, I want that woman. So he sent his servants to go get her. And that night he committed adultery with that woman because she was married to one... Not only was she married, she was married to one of the soldiers in David's army. Named Uriah. And he was a Hittite. Well, as this happens, they commit the adultery and she goes away. And then within the next couple of days, weeks or so, she comes back to David and goes, Hey, David, we have a problem. I'm pregnant. Now, David, knowing this, knows that, hey, her husband is over there fighting for me, so somebody's going to know something's not right here. Somebody's going to know something happened here. So he sends to his general and says, send me Uriah that he may give me a report of the battlefields. So Uriah comes to David and gives him the report. Well, after Uriah gets through giving David the report of the battle and all this, David says, well, why don't you go home and be with your wife, and then tomorrow you can head back out to the battlefields. Now, Uriah was a stand-up guy. You know what Uriah said to King David? He goes, if my men in the field cannot go home and be with their wives, neither will I. So David has another problem now. This guy's refusing to go home. What am I going to do with this guy? So the next night, David brings him in and has a feast with him and gets him drunk with wine, hoping that, okay, he'll forget all about his constitutions and go home and be with his wife. 
Well, evidently David did a little bit too good a job getting him drunk and he never made it past the front steps of the palace. So David finds him there laying there again. He goes, man, I still have this problem. He's not been home to be with his wife. Somebody's going to find out that something wrong happened here. So David came up with another idea. And he sat down and wrote a letter to his general. And told the general, hey, whenever the battle's in the heaviest and it's hottest, and the fighting's at its worst, what I want you to do is pull everybody back and let your eye die there alone. You know how much of a stand-up guy this guy was? David put his seal on the letter, and he carried his own death letter to his general. He didn't even open it and look at it. He handed it to him, and sure enough, whenever the fighting was at the worst, they all pulled back and Uriah died. You know something that David knew? David knew he had sin. He knew that that was not right. He knew it wasn't right for him to commit adultery with Bathsheba. He knew, definitely knew it wasn't right for him to kill Uriah in that way. And if you look in Psalms chapter 51, this takes place after this has happened. And we're going to start in verse 1 in Psalms 51. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is always before me. David knew he had sin. David knew he wasn't perfect. David knew he had broken the law. He was lawless. At that point in history, the law of God was also the law of their land. And he knew he had broken it. But too many times, I think we're like the Pharisee in Luke chapter 18. You know, whenever he gives that parable, before he gives that parable, it tells you who he's talking to before he gives that parable. And he's talking to people that trust in themselves. You know, here David is not trusting in himself. But in that parable, he talks about a Pharisee that went up to pray and said he's thankful that he wasn't like other men, extortioners, adulterers, that he tithed and he fasted. But there was a tax collector that went up there with him. And the tax collector fell on his chest and said, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus said the second went down justified. You know, sometimes I think we think, oh, you know what, I'm not like David. I didn't commit adultery. I haven't committed murder. But we forget about Romans 3 and 23. For all have sinned to come short of the glory of God. You know what? You may be right. You may not have committed adultery. You may not have committed murder, but you've committed sin in your life. And just because we don't have it written down to read about doesn't mean it's not there. You know, Isaiah tells us that our righteousness is like filthy rags in the sight of the Lord. I know I say that a lot. But just because I may have a little fewer stains than you do doesn't make me any better. Just because my stains may not be as big doesn't make me any better than you. We all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And we all have transgressions. We all have stains. We have all been lawless at some point. You know what else David knew? As much as he tried to cover this up, 
God still knew about his sin and David knew it. You know, shortly after the Uriah incident, Nathan the prophet came to David and said, David, can we talk? And David said, yeah, sure, Nathan, we'll talk. So Nathan told him a story about a man who had many sheep in great fields. He was a rich man. He had a whole flock of sheep. And he talked about his little poor neighbor who had one little lamb. Loved that little lamb to death. Treated it like it was one of his family. And Nathan said, well, the rich man had a visitor coming. And as was custom in the time, they would offer a lamb as a dinner as a, for the visitor. Well, instead of taking one of his many sheep, that rich man went and took that one poor man's little lamb and killed it and served it to his traveler. And when David heard this from Nathan, he got mad and said, Who is this man? He shall surely pay. And Nathan looked at David and said, David, thou art the man. And David knew he'd been caught. If you look in Psalms 51 and verse 4, Against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. We're not going to get out of the sight of God. As hard as David tried to cover that up, it found him out. And God knew. You know what? You may be able to fool me. What's even scarier, you may be able to fool yourself. But you're not going to fool God. God's going to know. God knew what David did with Bathsheba. knew what he did with Uriah. He knows what I do on a daily basis. He knows what sins I've committed. He knows what sins you've committed. He knows. Nobody else in the world may know. You may have done a good job covering it up. But God knows. You know what else David knew? David knew he should pay for his sin. If you look in uh, Psalms 51 and verses 11 and 12, Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore me to the joy of your salvation, and uphold me by your generous Spirit. David knew God could have cut him off. David knew he, could, he should have been punished severely. He says, don't take your Holy Spirit away from me. Don't t- send me out of your presence. Can you hear the despair in his voice as he's writing that? Don't do that to me, please. I know I've messed up. I know I deserve to be punished, but don't do that to me. Don't punish me in that way. You know, in Romans 6 and 23, it says the wages of sin is death. You know what? We deserve to be punished for the sins that we commit. We deserve that. We deserve to hear, depart ye that work iniquity. We deserve that. That's what we deserve. And David knew that's what he deserved. He knew he deserved not to be a part of God because God is perfect. God cannot have anything to do with sin. And David knew that he deserved to be punished. But here he's praying to God saying, please don't do that to me. Please don't go away from me. And David did, there was consequences to David's sin. Don't, don't think about that as he's talking, asking for God's forgiveness. There were still consequences to the sin that David committed. But I believe that God never turned His back on David. 
But there were consequences. There were consequences for people that even hadn't done anything wrong. The only thing, the only mistake Uriah was making was marrying the woman that David wanted. But yet it cost him his life. That baby that he had with Bathsheba had done nothing wrong. But that sin cost that baby its life. Don't mistake forgiveness for there will be no consequences. Do not mistake asking God for forgiveness just because you don't want to answer some consequences to sin. Because sin has consequences in this life. Now what David was worried about here was the life to come. He didn't want God to totally depart from him. But sin does have consequences. Even if you're forgiven or not, sin will have consequences. You know what else David knew? David knew his only hope was that God would forgive him. David knew that was the only hope he had. As you read that, that the sins are covered. That he did not impute the sin to David. That's the only hope David had to get out of this. Was that God would forgive him. Even if you look in Psalms 51, let's get back up to verse 7. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Now all the studying I've done on hyssop was it was used in sanctification processes. Or cleansing processes. It was, it's only mentioned like 12 or 13 times in the Bible from what I've studied. And every time it was mentioned with some sort of cleansing or sanctification. You know, when Jesus healed the leper man, He said, go show yourself to the priest and they'll pronounce you clean. Well, part of that process of pronouncing him clean involved hyssop. David says, wash me clean. Make me new again. He knew that's the only chance he had was for God to wash him clean. Because he knew he couldn't make up for it himself. So he's asking God, make me clean again. Make me whole again. Make me white again. Make me worthy again. Not only that, but if you skip down to verse 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. You know what? David was broken hearted about it. You know, sometimes we say repent, repent, repent. Yes, you need to repent. But it's the kind of heart you have as well. Repentance is part of the heart. David here was throwing his heart on the table. My heart is broken. My heart is contrite. I've done wrong. Forgive me. You know, back in Romans 4 and verse 8, it talks about impute. That they did not impute the sins to him. You know what impute means? To lay blame. Or responsibility. David said, blessed is the man that God does not hold his sins responsible to him, is what he was saying. That I'm not responsible for these anymore. I'm not blamed for these anymore. Because David knew he was to blame for it, but God forgave him and he was no longer to blame. Those sins were not held against him anymore. And blessed is that man. 
that God doesn't blame for his sins. In Romans, Romans, we're going to look in chapter 5 and verse 8. But God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through Him. You know, David didn't live in the time of Christ. David still relied on the blood of bulls and goats. But now we have the sacrifice of Jesus to bring us closer to God. To bring us back to God whenever we've sinned. To cover the sins that we have. His blood will cover your sins. And He'll take that filthy rag that Isaiah has talked about and make it white as snow. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. You know what? Just like David couldn't do anything about his sin, he couldn't work his way out of it, neither can we. The only way we're going to get to see the Father is through Jesus Christ and the sacrifice that He made on our behalf. And that's what's going to cover our sins. In Romans chapter 6, In verse 23, I quoted part of this earlier. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. It's a gift. It's not something you earn. It's something that God freely gave you. And blessed is the man that takes that. Blessed is the man that takes the gift of God. That He no longer has that sin that we had in our life, that we've talked about earlier, that we all have sinned. And that God knows we've sinned. And that we should be punished for our sin. But Christ Jesus' blood covered it for all of us. And we are no longer to be imputed to our sin. He no longer blames us for our sin. And we are no longer responsible for that sin. Because God covered it and Jesus said, I'll take the, I'll take the punishment. There's a couple of stories I'd like to tell right here. I've told one of them before. It was from an old school teacher. Back in the day, whenever they had the one-room school room, most of the time it was the preacher that taught the classes. And I, I uh, got this story from an excerpt about a book. This teacher, in this, I, I may have used this story here before. I don't know. But the teacher in this, in this priest in this classroom had a problem with people stealing things. And he finally said, whoever steals the next thing, and I can find out and I can prove it, is getting six licks with the paddle. Well, this little fourth or fifth grade boy got caught stealing food. So the preacher called him up and asked him about it. The kid admitted it. Yeah, I did it. I stole the food. Well, he goes, well, then you're going to have to take the six licks. And this little fifth grade boy had this big duster top coat on. Well, he said, well, take your coat off. He took his coat off. He didn't have a shirt on underneath. Ripped up pants. He was skinny as a rail. This preacher knew that this kid had stolen food because he was hungry. But he had to follow through with what he said. That way the rest of the students would get the point. 
Well, there was this one big high school age kid in the back that stood up because he knew this kid couldn't take it. He probably couldn't even take two, much less six. And he said, I'll take it for him. I'll take those licks for him. You know what? When we stand before God, there's no way we can take the punishment He has for us. It's horrible. And what we deserve is horrible. But Jesus stood up and said, I'll take that for them. I'll take their sins on me. I'll do that. You put their sins on me and I'll take care of it. That's what Jesus has done for us. The next story... I'm really big into World War II. I love researching World War, World War II. And the story of this comes from the guys that were in the 101st Airborne Division. Easy company. They attacked battalion. And on this documentary, one of the guys said, well, I had been assigned to go up on this hill and it was kind of dangerous because we knew that the enemy was somewhere on the other side. And I wasn't a scout, but I was selected to go do this. Well, one of the scouts raised his hand and said, well, hey, that's my job. I'll go do that. And he said the scout never came back. Jesus did that for us. It was our responsibility. Our sin was our responsibility. It's our responsibility. But Jesus says, I'll take it. I'll take the responsibility for their sins. That's how we are no longer imputed to our sins because Jesus took the responsibility for it on the cross. That's how our sins are covered because Jesus took care of it on the cross. Not because of anything great that I've done or because, hey, I'm really not that bad. But because Jesus took them to the cross with Him. Every sin in the entire world, every sin you've committed, every sin I've committed, every sin that will be committed, Jesus took with Him to the cross. And all we got to do is reach out and take that gift. Lay hands on the gift and don't give it up. You know what would have been really easy for David to do after he'd been caught in his sin? I've seen this happen a lot. I'm sure Mike has too. He just turns his back and walks the other way, forgets about God completely. That's real easy to do. Well, I messed up. I'm just going to go ahead and go do my own thing. God doesn't want anything to have to do with me anymore. I'm too bad. But David repented and prayed to God. And eventually became the man that can be called the man after God's own heart. Whenever you sin, and it's going to happen, nobody's perfect. The one thing you don't do is turn your back on God. Because he's sitting right, Jesus is sitting there saying, Give me the sin, I'll take the responsibility for it. You get up and keep going. Because it's a totally, it's a different thing to sin, get up, dust yourself off, and keep walking than it is to fall down and sin and stay there. Paul put it like this. Should we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. When sin knocks you down, you ask for God's forgiveness, you dust yourself off and you keep going. Because you want that blessing. 
on Judgment Day, everybody's going to want the blessing of having their sins covered and their sins not being imputed to them. There will be no atheist standing there on that day. They're all going to want the blessings that you have the opportunity to receive right now. And the major blessing is we don't even deserve it. We are a sinful, unperfect people and we do not deserve the grace of God. We do not deserve the fact that His Son came and died on the cross for us. We do not deserve it. But yet we're blessed enough to have it. So we need to lay hold on that gift. Let Jesus' blood cover our sins. Because without that, you will hear, Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. And I believe we all want to hear, Well done, my good and faithful servant. And David said, Blessed is that man. Could you imagine a greater blessing than that? To have Jesus stand there and say, Yeah, he doesn't deserve it, but let him in. My blood covered it. Let him in. You know, we talk about how blessed we are in this country. There's no blessing that compares to that. There's nothing that you can accumulate that compares to those words. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Knowing you didn't deserve it, but God gave it to you anyway. Have your sins covered. And you will hear that on that day. And believe me, God does not want to punish anybody. He says, I am not slacking my promises as some men count slackness, but long suffering toward usward, that all should come to repentance. He wants everybody to come to repentance. He wants everybody to have their sins covered and not to be blamed for them anymore. Just as David had his covered from God. As he prayed in that Psalms 51. If you want to read about somebody that's really repentant, I suggest you read Psalms 51 one time. That shows a repentful heart right there. That shows a man that knows he didn't deserve any of God's blessings, but is asking for them anyway, because he knows he did wrong. Just as we did, and have done, and will continue to do, because we are human. Are your sins covered right now by the blood of Jesus Christ? Or are you still blame, blame, being blamed for your, are you still blameful for your sins? Are you still responsible for your sins? If you are in that condition, I urge you to come take a seat on the front row as we stand and sing and take care of that right at this moment.